guys, welcome back to another episode of Rainy Day Videos. I'm your host, Brooke. With me is Alex and Vicky. Welcome to February. This month we're gonna be doing a whole bunch of musicals, so get ready, get your little tap dancing shoes on. But before we get started and get into what this week is, um, please follow us on whatever you listen to your podcast with. Um, please like us and follow us on our Instagram. It's Radio Video Podcast. And you can write to us at radiovideopod at gmail.com. Are you saying Rainy Day Video? Yeah, is that just Am me? I? You're saying, saying radio. radio. Yeah. Radio Am day. I? Yeah, it's really oh, like... Maybe I'm still a little stoned, you guys. <laughs> just okay. do the follow us Rainy thing, yeah. Day Video. What am I saying? Radio Day? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Oh. Dude, I thought it cut <laughs> out. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> it's, follow us there, too, though. <laughs> I didn't want to stop you, like, that first time. I was like, the first time, I'm like, people won't know what she's saying. And Radio. the second time, I'm like, we have to help her out. They might be lost. You guys, I am a little stoned on this Rubaxa set, so That's help okay. me if, 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 you, if I sound loopy, just knock it in, in my door. Okay. Before we get into what we're going to talk about this week, please follow us at Rainy Day Video Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what am I wanting to say? Follow us on what you listen to with your podcast. Well, I'm going to help you with this part. Can you just do this part? Take a step back. I'm sorry. What Brooke is trying to say is if you like the show, please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on social media on Instagram at Rainy Day Video Podcast. You can also write us an email at rainydayvideopod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. As Brooke said, we're doing musicals all month. Uh, you can check out our Instagram to see what we're going to be talking about. We'd love for you guys to keep up with what we're watching and keep up with the conversation. And so, yeah, without further ado, let's get into this week's movie, which is 1939's The Wizard of Oz. Woo! I thought you said she was dead. That was her sister, the Wicked Witch of the East. This is the Wicked Witch of the West. She's worse than the other one was. Who killed my sister? Who killed the witch of the East? Was it you? No. No, it was an accident. I didn't mean to kill anybody. Well, my little pretty, I can cause accidents too. Aren't you forgetting the ruby slippers? The slippers. Yes. The slippers. They're gone. The ruby slippers. What have you done with them? Give them back to me or I'll... It's too late. There they are, and there they'll stay. <sighs> Give me back my slippers. I'm the only one that knows how to use them. They're no use to you. Give them back to me. Give them back. Keep tight inside of them. Their magic must be very powerful, or she wouldn't want them so badly. You stay out of this, Glinda, or I'll fix you as well. Oh, rubbish. You have no power here. Be gone before somebody drops the house on you, too. Very well. I'll bide my time. And as for you, my fine lady, it's true, I can't attend you here and now as I'd like. But just try to stay out of my way. Just try. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. <laughs> I'm so sorry, you guys. That was brutal. <laughs> no, it's fine. That was fantastic. 
should put a little um, blooper section at the end of this one of that. No, this is just going to be the episode, I think. <laughs> to some extent. Ah, uh, radio day video. Radio day. Okay, so, I mean, you could start a million different places in talking about The Wizard of Oz. Uh, it's a classic film. Most people have seen it, I think. I mean, that's a big generalization. It's hard to say. But I know Vicky has seen it, and I know this Our is one team. of her favorite movies. So I think, yeah, why don't you go first and, and tell us about uh, why you love The Wizard of Oz? Well, I feel like one of the things I love the most about this is that this is one of those movies that I came to by myself, as odd as that sounds. Most movies when I was younger, it was either just like, this is Disney or this is a child movie, so this one's for you. Watch it. Or, Alex, of course, you were like, watch this, watch that. You know, maybe some were a little too soon, Alex. Child's Play still scares me to this day. But, you know, nevertheless, when I was in grade... I don't think grade... I'm to blame for that. That's not my fault. <laughs> Neither here nor there. <laughs> it's, 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 listen, I'm going to add my mother in on that because she, like, let it happen, but... You're her little sidekick. <laughs> I know who influenced it. But regardless, um, yeah, this movie was something I just, I I was in, I used to go to Greek schools on, um, Greek school on Saturdays. My father was forcing me and I stole a copy of The Wizard of Oz uh, or The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. And I, um, I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And it had like pictures in it and the book was just like fantastic and then I went to like Blockbuster, I think, that very same weekend, and I was like, oh, like, let's pick up the movie. I've actually never seen it. And so this movie just blew me away in terms of like color and the set design and how you go from this like sepia tone to this color and this just vibrant energy that just explodes off the screen. And the music, like, I love musicals, and I, you know, it's pretty annoying sitting with me to watch one because I, I sing like a duck. It's not good, but I love it. And I enjoy myself so much. And yeah, this movie was just imagination at a thousand. And I was like in love, kept watching it on repeat, as I'm sure some other people did with musicals they fall in love with. Um, But yeah, this was just such a spectacular thing for me. And it was something that I found and discovered and it just felt like wow I can do this and I can find things I love uh and so that was just a really cool like little story part of the movie but then like the movie sits so well on its own and just you know imagination from one end to the other end you know it it transformed me but yeah what did your guys experience with it yeah, I'd like to actually go off that because yeah. me and Brooke were talking because like Brooke grew up with Wizard of Oz, just like you grew up with it, even though you sort of discovered it on your own. I never had anyone introduce me to Wizard of Oz when I was young, but I was aware of it because it's just like so in the culture. And I remember either like seeing it on TV one night or even just like renting the video And it just didn't appeal to me as a young boy who was into like Ninja Turtles and Terminator, you know, and Mortal Kombat. Like I liked my explosions of emotion to be like fights and action. And I didn't quite get like 
you know, as I think a lot of young boys, it's like like musicals are just like cheesy. You know, mm-hmm. you don't sort of it's like too much feeling for like <laughs> you know a young boy to handle. Especially um, in the '90s, it was like girl things, boy things. Don't mix them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. But as I got older, I started appreciating musicals more, and like um, around like when Chicago came out, I remember seeing that and just being like kind of blown away by it, and that ignited an interest in seeing like musicals I hadn't seen and. And I mean, I always grew up with like the Disney animated films, which are great musicals in their own right, but they're in their own category because they're animated. But uh, but yeah, just as I've gotten older, I've, you know, appreciated it more. And I just, yeah, remember like you like really uh, digging it growing up. And and but my thing with Wizard of Oz is like, I just wish I had that childhood attachment to it, you know, because I, I did sort of come to it. Not too late, because like I'm really blown away by it. I find it to be an amazing movie, but it just doesn't hit that, I don't know, child-like sensibility with me because it wasn't that it wasn't ever present as a kid, and like. And if it like, was, um, it was just like over and over again. And you were like, "Shut this fucking thing off, please." <laughs> we're off to see the wizard. <laughs> and I, I mean, I don't. I was saying this to Brooke too. Like, I don't remember what cassette it was, but I had a movie on VHS, and like. They would always play like an ad for Wizard of Oz before whatever the movie was, and it would always be like, you know, coming to video cassette. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful. And that was like that like ad and like that full frontal, like full on corny musical with like a guy dresses a lion and a guy dresses a tin man, you know, and it's just like in your face. And I think, yeah, Mike, my. like eight-year-old brain which was just like I don't want that you know that's <laughs> not for me but yeah I, I've really come to appreciate it over the years and uh but my big regret is yeah you know I just wish like I had someone introduce it to me you know as a, as a kid because uh I feel like I came to it too late mm. I didn't come to it too late <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm like a Vicky on this one <laughs> Um, I loved watching this movie again because it really made me feel like like the three year old me. And I it, like I, I was watching Toto a lot more this time around, and I just saw like what an animated dog <laughs> this dog is. And in today's world, we'd probably have a CGI dog, and it just it wouldn't be as alive. Like to, like Toto, other his real name's Terry. Is what I found out. Um, old Terry uh, was such a, such a character, you know. He was always just engaged, and and his tail was just wagging the whole way, and you felt so happy for him. And you know, he makes he makes such a difference with Dorothy. Um, so I was having a wild time watching Toto this time around. But I do remember when I was young. I think it was just it was so stimulating from this sepia kind of two tone thing. And I remember first watching it. And being like, oh, this is kind of old. This is an old movie. But then I was like getting into the style. I was like, I'm cool with this. So we've got like this carnival guy and we've got Dorothy and we've got this witch. But then when it turns to color, my whole, my little brain just was like magic. And the way that the plastics kind of shine with the technicolor and the color, it just is such a perfect choice. You know, I love that there's, I love that everything's so fake and it's such a set. And, you know, there's these paint drops and there's these sets. But because of that, there's an aliveness that feels so unique to this movie. Um, and I definitely did just like watch it over and over and over and over and over again as a child, like much like much like you, Vicky. It was mm-hmm. never good enough to watch it just once. It would have to be 
on repeat. And I was really trying to like sing softly because I too would be probably, if I had watched this alone, would be a lot more loud and animated. <laughs> but I was very aware that Alex was sitting next to me and probably didn't want me to hear, yeah, as president of Munchkin City, um, you know, <laughs> trying to do this is like simulate the voices. I feel like he probably wanted to have his own experience with the movie. Um, but I definitely was like under my under my breath just like hushedly singing along to all the songs and like just like with jazzed. a twinkle in your eye <laughs> yeah. uh, so it was I was so happy to watch this movie again because I don't think I've seen this movie for like probably a good 15 years because I think I just feel like I know the movie um but as an adult, I am watching for different things, and I'm more engaged with the the process in a way. And you know, you just you just see you see it all a little bit differently. And I mean, Toto, like that was that was enough for me to have watched it again. Definitely. Watching little Toto walk along was mwah. Little Toto. <laughs> oh, Terry, we're not in Kansas anymore. I did learn in my research that Terry got paid one twenty-five a week, where the Munchkins they got below fifty. Yeah. So Terry was like ringing in the dough, and these poor Munchkins they actually started a union yeah. after this movie. Like, yeah, isn't they're that like crazy? they're just like the Munchkins. Like that's their credit as well. It there's a lot of like back end things of this movie that like gives you a little bit of a sour taste like a lot of like working environment stuff um oh, a yeah. lot like totally a lot of the abuse burning. stuff that's come out with like yeah burning uh a lot of the makeup they were using was just like very dangerous the witch when she gets I burnt see. actually got burnt in real life got on her burnt. face yeah. um they used and asbestos said, for like the snow no and like oh, really? yeah. <laughs> yeah so like judy garland is actually getting asbestos like dangerous poisonous asbestos yeah, yeah, just yeah. on her face and it's twinkled all over yeah yeah i always uh i always like heard this was a like a production disaster and you know like a lot of movies are you know like and i think like um uh there's this veneer of elegance to Wizard of Oz, where it's like you, you can't imagine how chaotic yeah. it would be behind the scenes. It just seems like everyone's there having the best time. But like, because that's the, what yeah, they show like, us, right? That's the version of happiness. Nah, they're like, don't. It's look. like tap dancers. It's like just smile. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. I mean, I had always understood, um, and like me and Brooke were talking about like the Technicolor look of this movie, and the Technicolor process is like you're running three strips of film through the camera, so you need like extra light mm -hmm. to expose. And so, like, uh, I always knew it was hot, but it was like apparently like hundred, like a hundred no. degrees yeah. on set. It was really hot. It was like Ninety <laughs> degrees a year, yeah. And that's why they had to like keep uh. reapplying a lot of that makeup too. So it was like exactly. not only were you wearing like a makeup that was already reacting poorly to your skin, but it was like they kept putting it back on you. <laughs> it was like I mean, I'm which is like green them. for weeks after the movie is being made. Like I said to Alex, it reminds me of um, Queen Elizabeth, and you know, like how there was like lead in her makeup, so she mm -hmm. would became like gray toned at the end of her life. I feel like that's what's happening, but it's like the twentieth fucking century. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on here? Uh, and but uh, I mean, as much as there's like disasters, there's also just like wonder, like crazy. Did you ever hear the um, the urban legend that there was like a little Munchkin that committed suicide? That hung so, himself. You and, could see it in the old VHS tapes, and then they what, reformed what, it. I think in like 2005. I want to say exactly. And they took it out. 
Well, you also know what you see is like in the HD ones is what what I was looking at is like you see cranes, you see big birds and stuff like that flying around in the scene. So I wonder if it was like the big birds because there's no like quant there's no evidence evidence of the little midget guy except for the video, or right? Or is there on like all the old tapes? It was on the old tapes it showed, but again, I it was like a black hanging thing, right? So it's like it's hard well, to what, completely it, exactly. Be like, it's, it's I always man. looked for, but. Yeah. It looked like it could be anything, because I always looked at that moment. I was like, I'm ready for you, Munchkin. I'm ready. But I always just saw, like, a black blur. And then at the where I would have seen that, I saw a bird flying away in this shot. So I was like, I wonder if the black blur was just the bird flying away, and it yep. was just what pixelate what like a pixelated VHS thing was. But the fact that there is this urban legend is wild to me. And yeah. I always was like that was always something that I looked for when we were watching Wizard of Oz. I was See, ready I, to I, find it. I had read that it was um this started in nineteen eighty nine and that would be the fiftieth anniversary release of the movie, I guess on VHS. And apparently that rumor started in 89, so clearly someone was watching tapes and saw something yeah. in this release. Uh, but I actually, yeah, I haven't dug further, so, you know, yeah. uh, is there something different on those tapes? Isn't that fascinating? It's, it's one of those things, too. It's like, do you really want to discover one way or the other? I don't know. I mean, it's yeah, like, no. I heard that all those munchkins, all too, morbid. were just drunk all day. They used to just drink their days away, and, like, some of them were very crude to Judy Garland and used to, like, pinch her on the ass and stuff. So, like, a lot of just, like, you know, weird little little people stuff that they're yeah, doing. And there's like, some of them were kids, which is creepy. Yeah, no, like, totally. Uh, I mean, the lollipop kids are, like... Okay, like, so straight are up... Are not adults. <laughs> straight up, like, I really like this movie, and, like, like... Like ninety percent of it, I'll say I, like I love. You know, I can say like wow. Like every time I watch it, it's like wow. But like the section of the movie I don't like is all the Munchkin shit. It is so and like to its credit, it's like hey, welcome to fucking Oz. You're in a different world now. I was gonna say it's, it's a complete so, mind fuck when they introduce them. No, it is, and it still is. And like I watched this movie, like I watched it, like I said, like as a kid, maybe on TV, and then like I watched it, like you know, like when Chicago came out. And then I watched it again when Sam Raimi's Oz the Great and Powerful was coming out. I wanted to refresh to see what like I Raimi didn't know that was, was Sam Raimi. Doing. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like not a great movie, but like worth a watch. And there's like, cool stuff in that movie it's for fun. sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is maybe like my fourth time ever seeing it. And like, oh, wow. you know, I appreciate it more every time, but what I don't appreciate is the munchkins. Damn munchkins. It's so, and I, I find it just like, um, it's not that they're like creepy or anything. Like no. I, you know, it has like nothing to do with it. It's just like the songs are, I find like obnoxious. They're oh, just I like, really just like. If I was a kid watching, going, you know, like singing the lollipop song, I get it. But like as an adult watching it, it's just so aggressively like annoying. Um, I lean into the I annoying things. Find, I, I yeah, like, I'll emulate I like the, the voices like you, Brooke, where I'm like, and like even their facial expressions sometimes, especially the lollipop, they're just so angry, like tossing their heads. Like, <laughs> you represent the lollipop goo, lollipop goo. <laughs> so it funny to me. me. Um, I love it. Just it. feels like a lot of this movie feels like like made up as it goes kind of thing, and like a great way, and like like it's like a child imagining this story. Uh, but then there's things where it's like they're just like layering the nonsense on a little too hard. Uh, you know what's for, funny for though is taste. the Munchkins were not actually 
like in the book, they're not actually referred to as small at all. They're just called the Munchkins. The Munchkins. They're not. I see. So this was like a imply. This was a Munchkin stature. I mean, maybe it it was supposed to be an ironic thing. Like maybe they were all giants. Mm. Who knows? I mean, and, and like that's another thing that the book does differently than the the movie in that it like first of all they go to more places in Oz like there's a bigger um land that to explore and by the end of it it doesn't feel as much like this like fake ass wizard who's like giving these like ways to be better citizens it's like he gives them actual positions in society and helping them run um these little lands because they're interesting they've shown promise and they've shown that they have like you know something special about them more than just like oh you're missing a heart a brain courage whatever um and the book itself is very political and very um like oh in on itself like the uh so like the yellow brick road there was a lot of like silver gold um things because at that time that the book like the 1890s i believe had a big uh dollar crisis was going on and silver and gold was in constant battle so this whole movie uh, has that. So like the yellow brick road is a metaphor for gold. The emerald city is actually not emerald. It became emerald in the movie because of the color that they were going for. So it was actually a gold city. So it was like a path to gold. The slippers she wears are silver. So it's like the silver. Um, and then like even just like the farmer or the scarecrow, he's like the farmer kind of working class, the tin man who's out, he's like left in the cold kind of thing, just like to rot uh, up. You also get more on the tin man and his backstory. And then I think that the, uh, the cowardly line was like referred to as one of these like politicians who was just like very good at like saying things, but didn't actually like deliver. Like he didn't actually stand for anything. And again, with the wizard, who's this like fake smoke and mirrors type thing like not he's promising something that he can't actually deliver so it's a very uh reminiscent of like actual politics and how things were so like stupid back then and how it's just like they're not doing anything to help improve but to sort of have that air of uh you know grandeur and you know being fancy so yeah i I love like the little things from the book that like create this whole political narrative but then when you get to the movie it's just this like it's just this childhood story about a girl who like feels ignored and useless in her home life and creates this whole narrative where she's the savior and she can be the hero Mm -hmm. and prove that she's worth something by the time she gets back you know home even though she's like like you know not actually away anywhere (laughs) yeah 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 I think like a lot of emotion, uh, emotions, <laughs> like a lot of musicals, it's like appealing to the emotions maybe a bit more. Yeah. There's definitely a, I don't know, maybe I'm reading into it, but you know, I, people have looked at the movie Wizard of Oz and inferred certain political stuff from it, mm-hmm. but it's not like, yeah, I didn't realize that like the book was more overtly political and like tapped into, like you're saying, this gold and silver rush. That's I cool. think also rush, like, but um, crisis. I'm pretty sure like, uh, the author, L. Frank Baum, was, like, a wealthy man himself. So I don't think it was necessarily poking fun completely at the wealthy, but I think it was just poking fun at the whole system in place and how it's, like, you're not really doing anything. And, you know, but yeah. again, he's think, cushy in his wealthiness, so. I, f- <laughs> I feel like Emerald City is that, because although it's not a gold city, it's, like, sparkly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's, like, <clears throat> the sea sparkly colors. Um, 
And then it's also where you get the scrub scrub here, scrub scrub there, and a couple of la-di-tas. That's how we laugh the day away. Um, and they're all just... <laughs> Yeah. And the horse of different colors. See, oh, when I was just... a kid, it was Mortal Kombat! See, I watched that too. I watched... There was a place in my heart for both of those. Oh, you're more mature than me. No, 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 because I didn't watch Terminator until I was like 26 or something. But that here sucks. we are. Um, but but no, like. <laughs> but the horse, actually, before you go, was dyed with jello. To get those different colors. I know. So cool. I know. And it was, it like licked itself at one point. There was like the yellow one. <clears throat> Sorry, I had something in my throat. Um, the yellow jello horse, I think it was, would like lick its paw because it liked the taste of its jello. Lemon lime. <laughs> it's like, this is fantastic. Um, eh, when I was young, I totally just didn't think about that. And when we were watching it, it's like, man, the things that you would do back, the things that you could get away with back in the day versus versus now, for better and worse, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, Jello comes off, you know, sugar. Yeah, it's not um, the worst thing a horse can endure, I guess. No. I mean, I think the humans were dealing with a lot worse. Like they had, like they were getting like burns and makeup scalds yeah. and all this kind of. They would have been thankful for Jello. Like, if she could have just put herself some lime <laughs> jello on her face and said, I'm fucking, yeah, I'm, I'm a witch, let's call it. Ah, oh, so funny. I'll, I'll say, like, I'm glad that, like, there's more awareness for better treatment of animals on set. I'm not in this camp of, like, extreme PETA where it's like, no animals should ever work in a movie, you know? They're never having a good time. They're being, like, compelled to by humans, and it's slavery. It's like, all right, Toto's wagging his fucking tail. Yeah, I think as long as they're not being put in, like, weird situations. Like, I remember there was that dog movie that came out a couple years ago, and it was like... Yeah, of course. I'm all for protecting No, but that's what I mean. It's like, if your Um, dog's just roaming, cool, but don't be putting it in, like, a pit of rushing water that it can't survive because I'm like dude might not last like you in the ocean but anyways you know um yeah so like you know that's like a good improvement but like um what's not a good improvement with movies these days is like just how their their solutions their creative solutions often rely on just cgi imagery And um, me and Brooke took some time to just, like, look at some of the making of this film. Uh, and, like, it's just something we never realized before. And I don't know if you know this, Vicky, is this scene where Dorothy opens the door from her sepia-toned house into Oz for the first time. Um, how they achieved that shot was they painted the house sepia-toned. Yeah. So that I... she's just filming in color. And... Um, and and there's a double playing Dorothy who's dressed in sepia tone clothes. So she's the one that opens the door, and then the camera goes through the door past fake Judy Garland, and then at that moment, real Judy Garland wearing the color clothes steps in, and it's like it's such a magical effect. And I never once stopped to think like, how did they do that? Like it was just so elegant and like simple in mm-hmm. a way. And today. Like, you would just know how they did that, you know? And it wouldn't carry the same magic, and you would just feel an actor cut and pasted on a digital environment. And, um, yeah, I just, like, I'm just, like, really, like, blown away by, like, that's, like, a shot. 
even though I've only seen the movie like four times, it's a shot I've seen a million times mm-hmm. in montages and references to this movie. And like, uh, I just, yeah, would have never thought there was like a double mm-hmm. at play doing an old Texas switch, as Brooke was saying. Yeah, it's always the Texas switch. Um, and yeah, just like this movie, just like the way it's crafted, like you, you said in your opening spiel, like, like, um, the sets, you know, like they're just like unbelievable. And we were noticing like uh, some of these sets have inspired Lord of the Rings sets. Oh. Yeah, the, the well, just um, the like Mordor set, and you know, when they're about to enter the witch's castle, you have the shot where they're looking over the rocks into the mm. um, the gated, um, and you have all the soldiers kind of walking through this like gated uh, community, is what I'll call it. <laughs> yeah, and Lord of the Rings, like Frodo and Sam and Gollum are up there, and they look down as like. I do remember that shot. I wouldn't have even like put those together, but that's very cool. Yeah, it's like the same set pretty much, you know, but it's been like Lord of the Ringsified and made bigger and and whatnot. But uh you know, this this movie's like hyper influential. Also, the end is like a, a Wes Craven movie where it's up the stairs, down the stairs, up the stairs, around, <laughs> around until uh the witch melts. <laughs> that she does. That she does. Oh uh, no! I will say this: this movie gets a little, feels a little like it's running in circles by the end. And like my one hope for it, aside from less Munchkin stuff, would be that if it was just like ten minutes shorter, you know, it was like if it was like a clean hour and a half, it would be so much better. This movie had like a lot of directors going in and out of it. Um, yeah. Like the only person that's actually credited is uh, Victor Fleming, but he yeah. left up. Part, like he got it later, but he also left before it was done to go fix the uh, Gone with the Wind, and then right uh, the person that took over uh, King Vate, what was his name, Vidor or something like that. Vidor. Vidor. Yeah. yeah, he did like mainly the what Kansas sepia tone stuff. So, but like before that happened, it was. Um, let me check the names. Sorry, I just wanna. While you're checking, I, I will say, I, I really love that opening Kansas sepia-toned bit. Mm-hmm. That was literally, like, I can remember my childhood brain watching that stuff and going, this is boring. Where's the color? I thought this was a color movie. <laughs> but more. now I'm like, that's such an elegant part of the movie. And I love, like, the Somewhere Over the Rainbow part, oh, with the camera work. I didn't realize that. If that, that stuff's the King Vidor stuff. It's really elegant, like, and the way she puts Toto on uh, the, on the seat and mm-hmm. she's singing with Toto, it kind of feels like it's directed by a different guy a little bit. Yeah, um, and then so does. the first person was um, Richard Thorpe, and he apparently was told to leave because one he was rushing everything, so he was trying to just he didn't have any really care for what he was putting out. He was just like, I just want to make this film. He left, and then they had. Uh, George Cooker come in. I think that's how you say his name. George Cooker. Yeah. I'm going to say Cooker. Apologies, Mr. George. But he was trying He's to get... probably not alive anymore. Yeah. Well, he was trying to make uh, Dorothy or Judy Garland very, like, baby doll. And, like, she was over the top with everything. And that was also taken out. And then it was like, I think that's when uh, Victor Fleming came in and sort of grounded things and just said, dude, be yourself. Mm. Like, let's do this. Like, you, fine, you know? Um, and then, mm. you know, she had her classic look that she has now, which I think looks fabulous. But yeah, it's oh, just, it's, it's I think that probably had an effect on just the running time and like making it seem a little 
long is because there were so many people in and out that it was just like, mm-hmm. okay, let's get this movie done with no other people involved. And, you know. Yeah. But. And it sounds like they're trying to take a lot from the book. Um, and it, it, it just sounds like it ends up having to be a go from place to place to place to place because there's um, so much to unpack. And it's like, well, we'll explore the world in just in the set design, in the way that we articulate the world a little bit as opposed to um, going into. So that because it sounds like it could have been a lot longer than yeah. what oh, it was. Oh, for sure. You know? Um, and I will say, like, when, when you watch a mess today... I mean, sometimes it's hard to know, but you can usually tell like when something was awry uh, behind the scenes and how a movie comes together. Like, but this like even though I'm complaining about its length a little, and like it's a taste thing with the Munchkin songs, it's really just a taste thing. I'm not, I can't argue that objectively. It's amazing and it's elegant and it's like magical. Like it really like you know, yeah. Like my 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 critiques would just make the movie more magical to me. Less munchkins, ten minutes shorter. Less More magical magic. To me. So basically, cut the munchkins. Alex is like, just cut them entirely. Yeah, exactly. That would that would be the ten minutes. No one intros um, her to Oz. She just lands in this like colorful ass place, and then a witch comes down. And she's like, got it. Galinda. Yeah. yeah. No one needs to live here. No. <laughs> oh, funny. I will say because we were just talking about the opening. Um, I remember the way that the twister hit when I was young uh, and the wind and opening up the doors and, and just, there was something so tactile to it, I guess. I, I don't, I still don't know how to describe it, but it's like, it was it's so stimulating and there's something kind of soft, but also very hard to it. Again, I don't know how to articulate it, but I do remember thinking that whenever I was a kid, there was this like otherworldliness and the way that the doors fly and the window flies. I guess it's because it's, it's all being scary. manipulated, mm-hmm. but it's also, because it's being manipulated, I yeah. think. I think that there's like mono being pulling these doors and pushing. Also, like throwing not- fucking doors at Judy Garland and stuff like that. My goodness, <laughs> this this woman just without even like she fell into a in the first ten minutes of the movie. Girl goes into a fucking sty and and then gets her like leg all tied through and then she gets hit by doors and windows. It's I will like, say she's a bit gosh. reckless walking on that beam near the pigsty. I mean, come on, you're doing that to yourself, girl. I They're always working. thought that. They're working. But the way that she always fell, I was always so scared. And I loved how she hold, held the chickadee. And whenever she was eating um, whatever Auntie M made for her, um, I, like everything I loved, I just, I, like I loved it. It almost reminds me of like anime when people are eating. Mm-hmm. There's just like this softness to it. I don't know, you know, do you, am I being crazy? No, or, not at all. I think sense? that was oh, the yeah. power no. of Judy Garland as well. She was just very soft herself and... Totally. Actually, it, it's very sad the abuse that she went through because even Victor Fleming slapped her across the face during this, uh, during the scene with the I cowardly heard that actually, lion because he didn't because she kept laughing at his performance. Laughing. I heard she was just that. Giggling. Even yeah. though they also gave her drugs that made her keep giggling. Like I know, I know. They he slapped her and told her to keep working. It's like got work to do, bitch. Get to like, my get your shit together, bitch. <laughs> so crazy. Um. I know that one time that we did revisit this movie, Alex, we uh, tried to do the Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon thing. Um, right. I used to do that. Which is funny because the drummer of that band has come out and said that it has nothing to do with The Wizard of Oz. It is the sound of yeah, music yeah, yeah. that is related to. But it was still a fun uh, experience because, you know, it's a great album regardless. 
But the only sad bit for me was I was like, I just want to watch The Wizard of Oz. We have it on, and I'm listening to something else entirely, and I'm sad. Yeah. See, I had less reverence for it. I'm like, ooh, maybe this will, you know. And you know what? I'll say, I I actually forgot about that time. That's like the fifth time I've seen maybe Wizard of Oz. But like... um, that really just helped me like really tap into its visuals more at the end of the day and like make me appreciate it. Like, cause again, like I don't have the love for the songs. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can appreciate the songs. Some work better for me, but these are not songs, even though I love musicals and I will listen to musicals in the car. I, I, my taste isn't going to take me to wizard of Oz in the car. It's just like not, you know what I mean? But I will listen to pink Floyd. So a long way to say that, like, Pink Floyd helped me appreciate, like, the craft and the beauty and the elegance mm-hmm. visually of um, of Wizard of Oz. I do love how it lines up, too, because I, I, I did Dark Side of the Moon twice, and the Bloor Street Cinema in Toronto, back in the day before it was Hot Docs, um, used to have, uh, once a month, they would do a midnight show of Dark Side of Oz, and you could get stoned and in the in the audience, so everybody would just smoke pot, and you'd watch this. And Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Um, cuz it like the album isn't as long as the movie they and do like it tw- two and a half times okay yeah. yeah they play it two and a half times and you have to sync it up perfectly um and the second time we watched it it wasn't uh, it wasn't perfectly sunk up so it didn't um it didn't match the same way it's supposed to but when it does match and like when the when the monkeys uh take um i think it's a scarecrow mm-hmm. and it's like up 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 and down and they drop him I was just like mind fucked and when we went into Emerald City and it was like money is a crime uh, I was like dude this is fucking crazy man it's like Emerald City's money and capitalism and like whoa Pink Floyd it's actually and pretty it, amazing because how much it syncs up like it is even crazy. though it's not intended it, at all <laughs> No, it's it's these wonderful like synchronicities of life sometimes, and it's it's almost masterfully sunk up when you do the sync up um, like perfectly. I think it it's is, on like the like third it's masterful line or something like that of the MGM. Uh, rawr, yeah, you know, it's the third yeah, time yeah, he yeah, does it. and then you go dum dum, dum dum. Yep. Dum, dum. Oh, it's just that's its own. They're two different movies to me, though. Like I see mm-hmm. them as two different experiences. Um, totally, totally. But but definitely, definitely like that jazz me about Wizard of Oz almost more in a different way. In my like teenage stoner, you know, like head was like, whoa. I see. That was this not is like psychedelic, man. Ours was like nowhere near. Theater, <laughs> Doesn't sound like and it. And when it did yeah. run out midway through, you're kind of like, huh. We supposed to like restart it? Or are we just done? Do we watch the rest of the movie? Is this now? the movie? <laughs> and it was just in my bedroom, my kid bedroom. So yeah, pretty uneventful. The dark side of the Oz would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah, seeing it in a theater That's properly. So funny. Yeah. Our experience That's was so funny. Yes, just some lackluster yeah. towards the end of it. It's, it's a different experience. Nah, just some great stuff. I didn't realize that Judy Garland's dress was like pink, um, but and because of the Technicolor, it was just like that was the way to get the blue that they intended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I never knew that. That blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, we did some like Technicolor research, and there was a woman, um, Natalie Kalmus. Um, she was kind of head of. Um, the creative side of Technicolor. So she was apparently just like so vigilant with how you were using colors and what colors intended. She wrote a book about um, uh, colors and color theory um, and how it, it in 
relates to movies. Um, but I yeah. want to talk about that for a sec because yeah, like she worked on like Gone with the Wind and Robin Hood, like all like the big Hollywood Technicolor movies. And she had, and as Brooke's saying, she wrote this color theory book. And so like you know, for her like. Um, like red means danger, blood, lust, you know, and green is like nature, freedom. But you think of Emerald City, you know, and you were saying earlier, Vicky, like in the book, it's gold, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Which like evokes a certain, especially at this time during a gold crisis, it's like, but like to make it green, it can evoke greed and money mm-hmm. in the same way. But we were hearing that this woman's color theory would suggest that it's freedom. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of interesting. Like what's the psychology there really at play with making it green? And like, is, is the movie as aware of the political critique or is it just like, well, this, fun with color. <laughs> yeah. Like we want to make the slippers Ruby instead of silver. Cause that's going to like look great on screen. Like, you know, what's going on really with the choices, mm-hmm. but interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think about Emerald City and cuz when she when we were they when they were talking about green I think that be, for me the 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 tone of the green in Emerald City and the fact that it sparkles and then also that everything's like man-made behind it gives this kind of pseudo freedom maybe uh, and you know like they all think yeah. that they're free there that's but so they're true. all beholden yeah. to Oz still mm-hmm. um so that's what I kind of thought of Of course I mean that's the whole point of 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 the Emerald City mm-hmm. and and meeting Oz is that there's the man behind the curtain. Yeah, you know, it's an illusion. That, yeah. And that's actually yeah, a very exactly. good point, bro. Because it's like it is a fake freedom that they're living under, and it's just like they're putting all their power into this leader of theirs who's actually just chilling. And it's like <laughs> this dude. The fact that like the same actor plays like the doorman to like the chariot driver to the doorman at the other. Like I'm like I wonder if this is just. Because in my head, I was like, let's I imagine it's just actually that's how this wizard chose to run the show. He was like, okay, I'm just going to wait at the door. Oh, they need me. Okay, let's rush them. They're going to get changed. I'm going to go by the door. <laughs> and totally. then it's like, oh, no, you can't come in because I know what you actually have, like, want now. And I, I can't deliver yeah. that. And then he's like, I'll invite you in. It just seems funny to I imagine definitely... him scurrying around <laughs> to get back behind the curtain. <laughs> riding, riding his chariot yeah. and going at the door. <laughs> One of my favorite gags with him is like, um, like you can't ring the bell. Don't you see the sign? And it's like, what sign? And I'm like, hum, hum, hum. and then he's like, pulls out that sign. <laughs> oh, it's just a good gag. <clears throat> That's the thing. This movie is actually really funny. It has some it like rant, just like off off the cuff humor that is just really funny. Scarecrow is one of the most animated. I find him so much fun to watch just because he is a scarecrow. I never understood how his body woggled. Oh, that's awesome. That's it's awesome. Funny. I showing this us for my mom. a model it's a of scarecrow. statue of the, the scarecrow. I bought it for her a long time because we used to joke that she was the scarecrow and I was the tin man. Um, you know, read into that how you may. Uh, but I bought this for her and it's just really funny because it's on the side table that I'm like recording in front of right now. Um, but yeah, the scarecrow is always I'm a failure because I don't have any brains. He's, I love his performance. Like he's got a dance background, that actor. So he does really well playing the wobble, but also keeping up with Judy Garland, who's doing these perfect fucking movements too. And it's just, it syncs up so beautifully. And a thousand percent. Yeah, I love it. And his I voice is great agree. too. I love it. Yeah. He was supposed to play Wasn't the he Tin supposed Man to be first, Tim- actually. Yeah. 
so funny. And then it's funny that the guy that was supposed to play the Tin Man after they swapped actually had to leave because of the makeup dilemma, and then they brought in somebody else. So, good times. I can deal with the makeup dilemma. (laughs) He almost could have made it had he just stayed as fucking Tin Man. But... It's so funny to think that something that's like truly just brought so much joy to people was like so like the turmoil. process of making it. Like there's an expression like uh, you know how like how, finding out how the sausage is made. You know what I mean? And it's like it's like the Pretty amount personal. of just carnage they had to crush into a diamond. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I always heard that the tale was really difficult as well. Yeah. Like nothing was simple, you know. But what, and what they ended up doing was just like mono, so like the oldest trick in the book. But because he's he's interacting with it, and then it goes behind, and then they didn't like how much it wagged at one point. Um, but but yeah, so like it just the simplest thing like a tale mm-hmm. um, can be this, and you can actually see what um, when they're walking up the. Um, uh, the mountain or whatever, and everybody's holding on to his tail. You can actually see the rig of what they ended up using for the tail, oh. which is like they made a box with like mono inside. They just made like a box rig, and you can see that when he's, they're holding on to um, his tail, which is so funny. So what um, is but yeah, mono, it's just by like. Oh, sorry. It's a monofilament. It's just like a, a see-through. It's like what you use for fishing wire and stuff like oh, okay. that. Okay, so just uh, something... a fish line, okay. a fishing line. A clear, see-through, but really um, hardy, um, durable um, line. string line. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. Makes sense, makes sense. I'm like thinking something yeah, yeah. bulky, and I was like, huh, what are they putting in there? <laughs> like, it looks so Well, seamless. I think because they had to, like, make this rig on the inside of the, t- like, on the inside of the costume, mm-hmm. um, and it's usually hid by his, like, but, bum. Yeah. But. <laughs> his fat ass. Um, have you guys seen the Sam Raimi Wizard of Oz movie. I have. You made me watch it. You and I watched it together. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like I've seen it like two or three times at this point and like I forget most of it every time. I've I just remember it. that it's one has sort of explored the lands of Oz a bit more. Uh, that's the James yeah. Franco one, right? Like I'm not. I'm, yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. He's a young um, Oz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that because, you know, I'm also somebody that loved Wicked. Uh, I love when they take something, you know, we have this original and then they just branch off from it. Like, I love how the wizard, the Wicked kind of ties into this story as a prequel, but also how Oz the Great and Powerful also ties in as its own little mm-hmm. wizard story. It just gives these people yeah. prequels, and they don't take yeah. away anything. It just sort of adds without without really misstepping was cool, anywhere. It's a fun movie. Yeah, definitely. What was cool with the Sam Raimi movie, from what I understand, I haven't read the L. Frank Baum books, but apparently, because like... Whoever made, whatever studio made the Sam Raimi movie, they didn't have the rights to the original MGM version, so they had to do like the sl- Silver Slippers, mm. uh, you know. Uh, but that's in the book, you know. So from what I understand, with the Sam Raimi is that like he went to the book and did things that were in the book that hadn't been done before. Mm. But I, I brought it up because like I was just like when this movie was coming out, even though I'm not like a huge Wizard of of the Oz, Wizard of the Oz, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, even though I'm not a huge uh, Wizard of Oz fan, I like I do love the imagery. Like I do get like just how fucking cool this movie looks. And so, and Sam Raimi is one of my favorite directors. And so, just the idea of like him playing with that imagery. And I remember even seeing the trailer, 
and it like starts black and white, you know, uh, and, and, and moves into color. And yeah, I just remember being like really excited for it. And like I said, I've seen it three times, but like I, I can't really like say much about it. It just sort of, um, and I always, I, the one thing I do remember is I always feel like f- James Franco might be a bit miscast in the movie. Like yeah. there's something you want a bit, someone that's going to carry you through the story. That's a bit less James Franco, a bit less sort of like, there's always this irony to him. There's always Mm -hmm. this like smirk to what he's doing. And you know, what's great about a wizard of Oz is no one's smirking. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's like, everyone is full on. Like, you know, I I had never heard Judy Garland got slapped in the face because she was (laughs) laughing at the cowardly lion his performance, you know, but it's like, it's so like, he's just committing to, to that, you know, and it's become iconic, but it's like, it is something that is like, could just not be, you know, not work, you know, Mm -hmm. as well. It's like, it's like a Johnny Depp, Jack Sparrow choice, you know? Yeah. Some of those choices work a bit better than others. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to like think who I would, would work better as the wizard, but I, I, I don't know. I just keep going back to what's his name as the monkey. What was his name from Scrubs? Zach Braff. Yeah. I was, was, uh, was, he was funny. I liked his, I liked his monkey. The flying monkeys in Wizard of Oz remain creepy in the original. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah. Monkey shit. Like, even though like I didn't, even though I liked like horror movies as a kid, um, and though I didn't love like musicals and like Wizard of Oz, like the imagery was still like super creepy to me. Like mm-hmm. it really like got under my skin. I think that's witch, why I liked it. Yeah. Everything, you know, like, yeah. I loved when there, I mean, when I was young, I remember the crab apples to the witch scene was my favorite because it was just so terrifying where you have these like crab apples like, hey, get out of my, what, what do you think you're doing? You know, and then you, you have the stupid scarecrow without a brain cleverly saying, hey, you're stupid anyway, nana boo boo, to get some apples. We don't want any of those <laughs> apples. It's like, yeah, yeah, I love it. And then we quickly see the witch and I just remember being so scared and that's when, you know, the munchkin apparently at the end of that <laughs> scene is when the munchkin just, but the whole scene has that quality to it with or without the um, the mythology behind it um, because it is just it's so weirdly um, inventive and different and I think your you know especially your childhood brain doesn't know what it's watching like is this real is this a fantasy like what it, it's just you you believe that to be reality I remember. When I used to watch this when I was young, I was heartbroken to think that maybe Dorothy didn't go to Oz and maybe that was all in her head. It like it crushed me to my core because I'm like, wait, is that not real? Did she not go she somewhere didn't. over the rainbow? I feel the like, same what? way. <laughs> I, I feel the exact same way about the ending of Total Recall because it ends in like the exact same. Like you could really make an argument in both directions and like. It's funny, like, I was actually thinking of Total Recall, because, like, both the movies do to work to show you, like, before, in Total Recall, before they go to Mars, and in Oz, before they go to Oz, like, they set up, like, all the people and circumstances in their life that could contribute to such a fever dream. Totally. Uh, but then they, they, it leaves it in that ambiguous place at the end. And, I mean, that ambigu- ambiguity is the point yeah. of yeah. reality and illusion and and take take from it what you will, but uh, for what it's worth, I had never realized how much like uh, 
how much like Wizard of Oz Total Recall was before. <laughs> Look for it next time. It was I will. All a dream. I mean, you can totally. I I can see it just by how you're describing it. Um, but I think again, like that's I, I, watching it this time when she when when Dorothy says, "But it was real." It's like, what is reality, right? It's yeah. um, it, it it is real because of the lessons that it gave her and the understanding that she has about herself and the world around her, and um, you know, she still experienced it. So there was there's reality to, um her experience you know mm-hmm. whether or not there was a place over the rainbow with a munchkin land and the wicked witch of the west and, and i uh, mean you know minus everything that marvel is trying to take over of the multiverse you know the idea has been always there maybe it was just another world that she visited and yeah you do find totally. similar peoples and this is who you are in this world you colorful girl you got you're, you're a savior but when you're in kansas yeah Stay out of the pigsty, man. Let them work. Let the boys work. That's all. That's all I ask. And like, sh- straight up, like you shouldn't let Toto into that woman's garden. Yeah. Like, you should know better. Right Don't now. let That's Toto into She's the garden, Mitch. She's just but a child. That lady has an axe to grind. Yeah, she's not pleased. I love her. The pitch of that voice right from the beginning, like you, you just know that that's a witch. You know, it's like. One of my favorite moments in the movie is right at the beginning. And it's just, it makes me die laughing. It's Auntie M when she calls out for Dorothy. The voice that she... Dorothy! 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 I just die from it. I'm like, you have not sounded like this at all, this movie. And suddenly, we're in... We're in Kansas, man. We are in Kansas. <laughs> that was one of the few things I did because uh, I just couldn't. I couldn't hold it in. So yeah, when we were watching, I definitely did the Dorothy. <laughs> like, between that and the like, Munchkins, I just death. Those are my favorite. I know it's probably the things that Alex or Alex's least favorite are definitely my most favorite. <laughs> it's so funny when when we were in Munchkin City, I was having the best time and I was like, this movie's so magical, isn't it, Alex? And he's like, gotta be honest with you, this is my least favorite part of the movie. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'll just enjoy But that. I joined you I joined you in the magic in the next scene. Yes, we did. When yes. we when we got to the scarecrow, we were having a gas together, you and me. Oh, it was so I funny. don't get like I just go back to like the Munchkin land all the time because it's so funny. Like the coroner, he's like, I surely examined her. She's not. Yeah. She's she's yeah. dead. She's not just dead. She's yeah. really fucking dead. Most Real sincerely dead. dead. <laughs> she is dead, dead, all the ways dead. She's not nearly death dead. Certificate. Yeah. As caught in her, I found it hard. It's just the best music. Doesn't it feel like Doesn't it feel like Tim Burton's whole aesthetic was taken from when the witch's shoes curl up under the Yeah, house? go get pulled under. You know, yeah, that's a like, terrifying yeah. Tim image. Burton figured himself out seeing that. Yeah, you know? probably. Yeah, definitely the stripes. That image yeah, creeps you out just like them wrinkling up, you're like, ooh. Yeah. Oh, I never liked watching that. Not Ooh. ever. Yeah, that's some shit out of Beetlejuice, you know what I'm, you know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. yeah. 
and that's where yeah, she exactly. went after. It's so true. It's so true. And the models, like, which is Beetlejuice, just made me made me think of model stuff. But the models in this movie, like the miniature house, when it's going through the twister, and then you have the Wicked Witch like flying here, flying on her broomstick, a little miniature Wicked Witch is like it's great, and they, it's good trickery. Like oh, you yeah. know, it works. It still works. It's, and all the know, other people see she that sees in that twister, like just some people casually out in a boat. Just like having a fishing day and then do, do, a couple do, people do. Just like chilling like hey how you doing oh i love all the music my poor young brain was like just spoiled at such a young age seeing uh freddy's dead the so- so-called final nightmare it wasn't thankfully uh, thankfully it wasn't. and yeah they do they the beginning of the movie has uh has a character fallen asleep of course and his house ends up get, getting lifted into a twister and you have Freddy Krueger dressed as the witch outside the window going oh, ho, 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 yeah. I'll get you my pretty <laughs> the one thing and that little really dog right. too is that Johnny yeah, Depp yeah. or not doesn't he come back in? Uh, no, Depp? not in that scene. He's a kind of a Johnny Depp looking kid, but Johnny Depp has a cameo in that movie. It's when Brecken Meyer is is getting high and he falls asleep in front of the TV, and on the TV Johnny Depp appears and he's doing like an anti drug commercial. Where it's the one where he's like cracking an egg into a frying pan. This is your egg. This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. drugs. And then Freddie comes in and hits Johnny Depp with a frying pan. That's uh, how that goes. I think I need to watch all the Freddy movies again just while we're at it. You know, the dream world is a is a magical place and also oh, a deadly crazy. place in, in that circumstance, you know. It certainly can I, be. Add Total Recall to the list add as well. Recall. It's a great dream movie. <laughs> That'd be a good theme is like dream movies. Uh, we'll do like a dream movies month one of these days. Yeah. That'd be fun. Uh, but... We are doing musicals this month, and uh, I mean, is there anything else you want to say about Wizard of Oz? Just like it's the best movie of all time and back again, and yeah. And you should watch it's it again, awesome. and then you should watch it with like the Pink again? Floyd, Dark Side of the you know Moon album, and then also again to like, because you don't want to be like, oh, I I Get didn't watch back. it with Pink Floyd, you know. So it's like, yeah, no, you need to get back it. to the real music. And if you're like Alex, you know, maybe just mute the munchkin scenes uh, or put a bag over your head or something. I don't know. And if you're not... You don't even have to go that far. It's worth suffering through. <laughs> hey, they what suffered so to, you could enjoy. What a enjoy, way to put it. Okay? <laughs> yeah. That cast They created a union it. because of this movie. It's so funny, though, I, like, seeing their was... credit. Just the munchkins, like, okay. Oh, I know. It's such a... It's so belittling. Okay. And it is, like, I was mind-boggled when I saw that's that exactly, this movie made them form a union that's after. That's exactly my problem with it in so many ways, is that it does feel belittling. It's like, let's laugh at the... <laughs> Munchkins playing old people. Well, like, yeah, I think that I was know. one of the criticisms between that and like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. They were just like, "Can y'all stop it?" Yeah, little people don't. And now need Peter to take Dinklage is like you're, Disney. You're still doing it. Yeah, yeah. but like, I, I don't know. I'm a, I don't I, think there's wrong with. I don't think there's anything wrong with. I think Snow how White you do Dwarfs, it. But I mean, I'm if, also not a dwarf. I mean, I guess Snow White. It's a little shitty just because, like, you know. But she could. She helps them, right? I don't remember Snow White. That's they're, not one I of mean, my. I mean, I rem- They're they're friends by the end. Yeah. And she helps them. She cleans. Yeah. She's just as much, you know, in her own repressed world as uh, they are. And you they're know what? Not Little people need jobs ways. too. Just you know, write yeah. them better roles, if if anything. Yeah. And not just Peter Dinklage. He's but yeah, this one does roles, reduce but... them to to union. You know. 
because otherwise. But then again, a lot of names. That's a lot of them. You're not going to. That's a lot of names. <laughs> yeah. It was back when they had like title cards as opposed to uh, just the scrolling list and, of And there's names. like a double-edged sword. There's a double-edged sword in the like, uh, they're often like portrayed as like magical characters yeah. or, you know, like helping on a magical quest. Yeah. So it's like the intention is is nice but it's also like a stereotype uh we've got hobbits and like lord of the rings is doing fine but i think amazon but i'm pretty sure those are regular sized people playing smaller people playing hobbits yeah oh well hobbits yeah yeah but like the whole point of the hobbit are they're little people yeah Okay, I feel like we've stepped around enough landmines for a day. Uh, <laughs> this has been uh, you, Wizard people. of Oz. Yeah, we, do. we love you um, dearly. Uh, we are doing musicals this month, uh, although Brooke and Vicky said to never stop watching Wizard of Oz, you should stop to watch Phantom of the Paradise, which is what we're going to be talking about next week. That's one of my favorite musicals. And... Uh, you know, one of my conditions for like a good mu- movie musical is that it is like a movie first and not like a stage adaptation. And so that's what's wonderful about Wizard of Oz. Uh, that's what's going to be wonderful about Phantom of the Paradise. This is like a movie musical first. And uh, and then I'll just say what we're going to do after that. Brooks' pick is all that jazz. Yeah, and we're so going to age up. We're kind of hoping you'll just kind of like. What's that? So we're going to age up as we go along. We're going to get into more mature yeah. films. <laughs> this one's safe for the mature. kids. The other ones, I don't know. Maybe it's not. actually true. Yeah, we're like, because yeah. all that jazz is like coming to terms with death. Yeah. And also, as I was saying, it's like, it was like a movie musical first. And it's like, you could do it on the stage, but it's like, what I love about all these musicals is like they're better as movies like they just work better as as movies um so yeah we hope you'll watch along with us uh again next week we're talking about phantom of paradise so if you haven't seen it check it out join us next week for the chat uh that's been rainy day video please uh like follow subscribe if you leave us a review on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts that's like one of the best things you can do for our show it just like makes the algorithm happy and uh and uh, I guess the corporate overlords like that level of engagement. So if you could just, you know, rate us three stars, four stars, five stars, you know, we're not prejudiced. And then, you know, moreover, if you want to leave a review, that would be amazing. But again, that's been a rainy day video. Come back next week for Phantom of the Paradise. Have a nice week, everybody. Bye. It's breathtaking. We must be over the rainbow. It's magical. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. It's fun. Ain't it the truth? Ain't it the truth? And it's never looked better. Yes. With THX Picture and Sound. Shucks, folks, I'm speechless. Available for the last time this century. Please, I've got to see the wizard. Bring it home for your family today. Toto 2? Toto 2? The Wizard of Oz.